Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 174 of Linux in the Ham Shack. My name is Russ K5TUX. I am the host, and with me is Cheryl. Hello, everyone. And we also have from Big There Are Cities in Montana country out in Montana, Bill NE4RD. Howdy, everyone. Oh, oh no. Now, now the thing creeps in again where, <laughs> where Bill's Uh-oh. audio is going to be all screwed up. Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. Is it back? Is it back? Is it you're back? back. Is it back? Uh, yep, you're back. So, anyway. <sighs> That's fine. <laughs> We're just going to have to deal with it tonight. Right. <laughs> so, this is take two, because I couldn't be bothered to press the record button the first time around. Anyway, I guess we should just jump right in then. So, Bill, go ahead and talk about the United States Air Force. Yeah, the U.S. Air Force uh, wants to improve or control propagation through the use of uh, microsatellites detonating plasma bombs in the ionosphere. And uh, this follows the departure from their uh, their previous project, the uh, HARP project, that's now under the control of the University of Alaska. Um, yeah, apparently they just want to burn the sky all over the place instead of just one place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently they haven't been on during a you know a contest over the weekend where propagation magically occurs because uh, you get all this free uh, this free uh, plasma right. <laughs> being generated from uh, all this RF free ionizing radiation uh, yeah sounds, or actually uh, non ionizing radiation I guess is the what it is but uh, yeah. so yeah this harp thing has been kind of a tinfoil hat project for a long time now it's controlled by a college <laughs> so, yeah so I guess when we know where our tax dollars are going. Uh, and you know we're all the little tinfoil happy people. <laughs> well, they've always <laughs> kind of been up in Alaska, haven't Have they? Have they? I don't know. In Montana? Isn't that where the Unabomber's from? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there Kaczynski. you go. Yeah, yeah, Kaczynski. So there you go. He's Bill's neighbor. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Hell of a lot closer than we are. <laughs> I think he's actually over near Missoula. Somewhere, you know, there's some different people over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all the weirdos live, you know? <laughs> Well, your state We're has out a, here on the prairie, you know? right? <laughs> your state has a city called Butt. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, we always say that because the signs, you know, when you go west from here, it's always you know it's Butt. <laughs> butt to the west, and then God, I don't even know what it's east. They probably say Bismarck. <laughs> there's like nothing between here and Bismarck. Bismarck, Bismarck is like nowhere, right? <laughs> that's, that's in a different state. Yeah, that's like in a whole other place, right? What? Yeah, uh, that's no, not me. No, it wasn't me. That's, I don't know why she would call me. She knows better. <laughs> <laughs> because it's that kind of night right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Next story. It's like, honey, have you seen the dog? Why are you me? <laughs> so that came from New Scientist about blowing up plasma bombs to control radiation. In other government news, the FCC is attempting to study and characterize the radio noise floor. The radio spectrum is a mess of different waves surrounding us at all times, but just how much of a mess is it? 
Many radio devices emit waves that can actually interfere with radio services, and the sum of all those interfering waves is called the radio spectrum noise floor. Many believe the noise floor is raised based on the number of devices emitting radio waves. However, the FCC says it hasn't really found much data to support that idea. Moreover, there are plenty of devices that aren't made to emit radio waves, but do so anyway because of how they work. Uh, Despite being regulated, sometimes these devices emit waves outside of their specified frequencies, meaning that they contribute to a raised noise floor. The FCC is asking for public comment on how to conduct a study on RF energy noise. Uh, This actually came from Digital Trends, and there's a a link that will be in the show notes if you actually want to submit public comment to the FCC on how to conduct this study, you are able to do that, and there's a Like I said, a link that will be in the show notes that will show you where and how to do that if you're uh, interested in contributing to more noise. Yeah, you would think they'd already be doing this considering they have to have all this testing and underwriter laboratory certification uh, uh, specifications for these uh, LED lights and just about everything else that emit all kind of uh, trash into uh, the RF spectrum. Yeah, there was a thing not that long ago about the lights that people were buying from Home Depot or something that were actually regulated as commercial or something, but they were sold as re- residential and they were causing all kinds of issues, horrible RF interference. Yeah, uh, yep. I believe those were LEDs, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the radio spectrum is all around us and there's noise in the air all the time. Luckily, we just can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well unless your neighbor is contributing to it so. <laughs> <laughs> so all right anyway if you want to participate there's a link in the show notes you can go check that out and uh, get involved in this study if you so choose uh moving on we have a story f- from great britain the rsgb is deeply disappointed in amateur radio five gigahertz proceedings in comments filed in July, the Radio Society of Great Britain told telecommunications regular, uh, regulator Ofcom that it was deeply disappointed that it failed to recognize amateur radio's innovational activity at 5 gigahertz and that it did not engage the amateur radio community in its proceeding, improving spectrum access for consumers in the 5 gigahertz band. The proceeding proposes an expansion of the 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi bands that could affect weak signal narrowband and moon bounce users, as well as satellite downlinks, while also inhibiting innovation of amateur radio mesh and other data systems. The RSGB contended that Ofcom deliberately did not contact the most innovative incumbents and stakeholders prior to the formal consultation period, and that incumbents have been blocked from contact during the consultation. The RSGB said it expects Ofcom to make amends and engage and that the regulator's research is badly flawed and belittles incumbents. Uh, this was a story wow. that came out of the ARRL. So that's, that's a lot of drama over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps so, but five gigahertz band is tinfoil hats, <laughs> right? It's a hotly contested part of the spectrum right now because there's a lot of people who want to use that unregulated space for all kinds of things. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what, if anything, comes out of this. Some people are upset, clearly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was such a big deal. I didn't either until I read the story. Uh, It doesn't seem to be a big thing here in the States anyway, at least not yet. But uh, over in England, big news. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think you have too much 5 gigahertz stuff over here. I mean, you know, you do have the weak signal workers and stuff like that. But I I haven't heard of any, you know, major EME uh, traffic on 5 gig or anything else like that. Yeah, and I'm not aware of too many satellites that uplink or downlink on 5 gig either, so they must be out there because it's mentioned. 
Yeah, I know in the U.S. we're limited to like a couple channels on the on the whatever the mode A or mode N or whatever that uh, five gig Wi-Fi right thing is. Yeah, yeah, pretty much here it's all just Wi-Fi service, like the eight hundred two eleven A and stuff like that. But yeah, don't don't see a lot of ham radio activity in the five gig band. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. All right, so maybe, with that, maybe have a D Star radio for that. Um, actually, uh, one of those new uh, Yezu repeaters or whatever. <laughs> probably be programmed for five gig and oh yeah that is the end of our amateur radio specific topics for the evening so we're going to jump on into open source and linux and all the good juiciness of that kind and uh bill's going to talk about some awesome stuff yeah awesome self-hosted so this this is going to require you to actually check the show notes and get the link (laughs) but uh there's a list of free software network services and web applications which can be hosted locally Uh, a lot of people are getting away from cloud hosting and stuff like that they want to you know run their docker containers at home or they want to run their own software as a service at home this is a great uh a great resource uh, that's shortcutted uh, in Reddit, and it's uh, it's a GitHub page that has a has a bunch of uh, links to applications. It's it's uh, it's kind of a good source for you know like when you do an alternative to this or an alternative to that uh, type search in Google or whatever. It kind of has everything aggregated right there, and it's uh, constantly being updated there in GitHub. So I would check it out, and uh, maybe you find some stuff in there that uh, you haven't run across before. I, I know I, I found a few items in there. Yeah, I looked through here, and there's some great stuff in there, because especially at work, but uh, also at home, I try to do everything self-hosted. I I really don't want to put any of my data out in the cloud, because, you know, everyone says they're going to be the good guy, and they're not going to do anything nefarious with your data, but, you know, I don't trust anyone. So, you know, I like to have all of my data on my servers, so I, I run everything locally, and a lot of these I actually use, which is kind of cool. That, that I'm sort of ahead of the game, I guess, or this particular game. So there are quite a few things in here that I didn't know about, so that's very cool. Uh, one of the things I would like to set up uh, for no reason at all, really, is an IRC server, and I see that that's one of the options. <laughs> yeah, it's not like there are... The first thing all the kids have set up at their house, isn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I have one. <laughs> I think I have one running on a machine somewhere that I've completely forgotten about. Uh, that's okay. It's already been rootkitted. Oh, I'm sure it has. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm uh, attacking a thousand <laughs> hosts right now, uh, and maybe that's the problem with our audio right now. Net. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you're still breaking up pretty bad, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I maybe know. Maybe I should just switch to Wi-Fi. I don't know. Could be a switch. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. It actually it sounds more like a like an analog problem than a digital problem, but oh, that could be the computer's suffering. <laughs> Is it that old of a laptop? No, it's a Dell Precision. It's a uh, it's an i7 and everything. It's got 32 gig of RAM. <laughs> yeah, see, it really it's, sounds more like an analog problem. It sounds like your mic is acting up or something. I'll turn off some buttons, and we'll see if it goes away. So anyway, if you want to check out these self-hosted projects, you can go to the link that will be in the show notes. And this is a this is a great sort of all-in-one resource for looking up things like well. I want to run an IRC server or a mail server or a SIP server or a cloud server or whatever, but I want to do it myself, keep all of my data in my own hands and manage my own life. That's kind of like the way I like living mine. So if that's the way you like living yours, you should definitely check this out. I'm assuming you do some of this stuff, Bill. Oh, just a, just a few things, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like everything on the, list. the closet there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. I'm ready to put a windows server in the closet too, which makes me cringe, but, uh, 
It's a necessary evil for testing. Oh. I've uh, outgrown the ability to run stuff on a, on a virtual machine. Wow. You have Okay. <laughs> you can't run Windows Server in a virtual machine? Well, I can. I just, uh, I, on the machines, I can run it and the OS. I just don't have enough hard drive space anymore. <laughs> I, I have enough bare metal. I just don't have uh, enough virtual metal in the, <laughs> in the, in the computers. Okay. <clears throat> Where were we? <laughs> uh, you were about to tell us about MariaDB. Oh, yeah, MariaDB, a little deja vu. Maria Corp has, uh, MariaDB Corp has announced that uh, the release 2.0 of its MacScale database proxy software is henceforth no longer open source. Gee, why do I have this in the open source, uh, <laughs> open source news? Well, because the words well, open source are there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably because this is against open source. But uh, you know, I you know, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I re- I said deja vu because you know, you know, Maria, you know, Monty, the guy that uh, founded uh, MySQL and uh, eventually forked off to MariaDB after the Oracle uh, takeover. You know, they they have a foundation that's in charge of MariaDB, and a lot of people are up at arms because they say that you know anything from MariaDB Corp should be open source because of the foundation that manages it. I don't know what your take is on it, but uh, in the article that we have linked, there's a uh, quite a few comments that they 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 bullet point out, you know, such as it it's a, it essentially eliminates the potential for co-development of the software, as a f- software freedom has been entirely eliminated by moving away from uh, the open source model and going purely proprietary. So, um, well, yeah, the I, thing about that though is, was MaxScale the the proxy server itself, what was the license before? Do you know? It was GPL before, yeah. Well, they can't move it away from GPL, then. It has to be GPL. Well, I don't think they're changing the license. They're changing... Well, they're having a commercial license. So I'm not sure what that means, whether you can't download it or if the only way you can get the source code is to buy it. But that's not my understanding of the way GPL works. Um, maybe I'm off on this. <laughs> but if something is GPL, you cannot make it not GPL. You can fork it and make it commercial, but the GPL version is always going to be there. Yeah. So, yeah, this is probably one to keep an eye on because this might uh, spawn into something else. This could be purely FUD, too. I don't always trust uh, InfoWorld articles and stuff like that. So right. it's it's still early to tell. You know, we're just right on top of the story here. So, uh. <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, unless I'm missing something because I didn't actually read the story and I probably should go do that next time before I like uh, make an appropriate comment. But the idea behind copy lefting something is that you cannot then uncopy left it because part of the license says that is the thing. Anything that's derived from something that's copy left has to be copy left. So I, I don't know. Probably have to get a lawyer in here to <laughs> ferret that one out. <laughs> well, I'm sure this will probably. Uh, I mean, I don't know if this will go to go to any of that, that kind of level. Like I said, I, I think this is kind of early, early story. There's there's a ton of comments on the Reddit thread that uh, that this story is also linked on. I, I found later, and and of course you can find that and kind of see what everybody else is saying. Um, it's it's going to be one of these things until the until it flushes out exactly what's going on with the uh, with the max scale uh, proxy software, you know what that actually what that actually entails uh, license wise uh, with the going proprietary on that. Yeah, and you're you're starting to have the same problem again. So it's apparently not the microphone. <laughs> oh, it's the computer. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Windows Seven, gotta love it. Yep. Uh, no, but <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. So I don't know. Maybe it's time to send an email off to Bradley and Karen and see what they have to say about it. I'd be I'd be interested. They they may have already talked about it. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So we also have a a brief story here about React OS. Is this one you've ever tried? Because I have not tried this. Yeah, you know, I, I tried it early on, and then uh, I saw it, you know, kind of make it through my uh, news filter, and I was like, well, I'll go back and I'll go ahead and load it up and see what it looks like. And I mean, it looks pretty good. Uh, it loads up pretty fine in the uh, virtual machine. Uh, I couldn't get it to connect to the network, so <laughs> I'm assuming it's either the doesn't have the driver for the virtual machine or uh, doesn't like something. I did try booting it on some bare metal, but uh, I didn't like my Lenovo laptop, so uh, I, I wasn't going to try it on any other computers because I didn't have time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the virtual machine, it did look great. Uh, the environment uh, looks clean. It, it boots up, looks just like Windows 2000 or the XP Classic look. Um, you know, it is kind of a, a mixture of uh, wine and, and uh, you know, some rewritten uh you know, libraries and stuff like that to uh, to have the interoperability with uh, Windows. And uh, I was kind of interested to see if it would uh, run, you know, Linux, or not Linux stuff, but uh, Hamshack stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, FL Digi and stuff like that. But uh, since I couldn't connect to the network, I, I didn't really get a chance to try it out. But the install looks clean. I mean, everything looks good on it. Uh, yeah, there might be just some hardware issues uh, finding the right uh, set of uh, compatible hardware. So the idea with this is that it's supposed to be able to run like Windows native software. Is that is that the point of yeah. it? Yeah, that's it. They targeted, uh, I believe, they targeted Windows Server two thousand three as their kind of like their their platform for compatibility. Which I think uh, I think that puts it prior to dot uh, net four point But pretty certain I read that uh, they have point dot uh, net point four zero in there or four point in there. Well, that's interesting. I have to give this a try. I don't know if I really need any of that functionality. Interestingly, it says it it supports Riser FS. <laughs> Everyone kind of uh, <laughs> decided they weren't going to deal with that one anymore. But uh, it, it's too bad it's such a good file system. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had that on something. What what, what had Riser? Um, I'm not sure. There the was options. a distro that. that- there was a distro that almost by default came with Riser, wasn't it? Like Sousa or yeah. something. It might have been yeah, Sousa. Yeah, it's either Sousa or Mandrake or something like that. Yeah. Been a yeah, while, though. I think they've kind of gone yeah. the way of uh, EXT4 and ButterFS and uh, ZFS, I guess, where where that's useful. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. I'll have to take a look at React OS. I'm not sure I'd actually heard of it before now. It's still yeah, a, it's, it's been around for a long time, a long time. But it's still in a zero dot release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They say they say on their website, you know, it's an alpha, it's an alpha release, but you know, it's good quality or something like that. So, I, I'd give it a look. I mean, you know, if you're interested in something that maybe can drop in place of XP or something like that, or you know, maybe you have something that, you know in the Windows 2000 ish range that you, you need something that, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It, it probably has a use. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's, it must have a use, or someone thought they needed yeah. it, so they made it. Yeah, or so. they wouldn't be still developing it. But uh, yeah, right. I remember seeing it probably at like a point point uh, two or something like that. So it's it's been many years. Huh. Very nice. All right, so React OS and the link to the information on the latest release will, of course, be in the show notes. So moving on from open source topics, we're now going to move into Linux in the Ham Shack. And the first thing I put in here... Uh, which was like a couple of weeks ago now, was a kind of a cool tutorial about how to get an RTL SDR working with an upconverter on Linux so you can actually use OpenWebRx and get your SDR 
onto the web, this is actually a fairly thorough tutorial, and it does everything from the command line. There's no point-and-click package installs in any of this. Um, it, it does go through the whole procedure, up to and including downloading the source package software from a Git repo, uh, doing the builds, uh, all of the commands you need to get the, the software running. Uh, and a link later on in the tutorial to syncing up with sdr.hu, which is kind of a uh, online clearinghouse for web-enabled uh, SDRs. lost my place. Oh, I pushed a button. For uh, <laughs> open source clearinghouse for web-enabled SDRs. So that's um, that's really cool. I've actually got one of these RTL SDRs. I don't remember which one exactly that I have. Uh, but I've got it plugged into my Hamshack PC. Uh, I've installed OpenWebRx and uh, the necessary software to get the RTL SDR recognized by the kernel and everything. And I have not gone through the process of actually getting it uh, linked up with SDR.hu so that it's publicly available. And I don't have the upconverter part, so I can only listen to you know VHF and UHF. These are these are kind of cool devices, and I actually found. Uh, these little converters that I got off of Amazon for for doing the 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 antenna on them, which I can't remember what they're called. They're like MCF or MCE or something like that. Is it? Do you remember what the connector is on these things? Like, oh, it's not S- SMA, is it? Oh, I just cannot remember. No, I don't think it is. It's something special. You're right. Yeah, it probably is MCE. Well, that that doesn't that actually sound familiar. right to me, but it's something like that. But anyway, that for like four bucks, you can get a pair of them off of uh, Amazon, where they convert these little RTLSD uh, RTLSDR dongle antenna connectors to SO239, so you can just plug in a regular antenna to it, which is uh, really nice. And uh, one of these days, I'm actually going to do that. Uh, in the meantime, you can go through this uh, whole well-documented procedure. Uh, if you get one of these and they actually outline uh, the hardware you need, the software you need, and they did it on Ubuntu 14.04 uh, and or Linux Mint 17 or 18 was the platform they used for this. And it allows you to uh, have a digital receiver that uh, can do HF on your Linux box. So that's really cool. The nice thing about the RTL SDR software is, or hardware rather, is that it's uh, generally very cheap. The only thing is they tend to come with uh, very cheap antennas. So <laughs> if you actually want to hear anything, you have to hook them up to something better. But yeah, I know on mine. I yeah, could... I think we talked about open web arcs um, not too long ago with uh, the Kiwi SDR uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm sure we brought it up a couple of times. I did have uh, it down here to talk a little bit about SDR at HU, just, just the website itself a little bit in case anybody hadn't really heard of it. But it's, like I said, it's kind of an aggregator for OpenWebRx clients. So you can go there, and there are people who have published their online SDRs uh, to this site, and you can just uh, listen and control people's receivers from around the world, from wherever you happen to be. I'm just looking here at the the list on the front page, um, and I see Australia, Sweden, New Zealand, somewhere in the usa (laughs) uh germany uh, italy austria and so on and so forth uh that one looks like uh portugal maybe or something like that anyway uh and these are all online sdrs and you can connect to them they tell you what frequency ranges they're able to receive and then you can go on there get onto the digital interface you'll get the waterfall and everything uh tune them to 
cool frequencies and see what you can hear if you happen to be in another part of the world. SDR.hu is the place you can do that. It also has links to the OpenWebRx project, uh, which is part of it, uh, which helps you uh, get your SDR set up in Linux and putting it online if that is something you want to do, uh, if you don't want to just do it for yourself. Uh, they even have video tutorials on how to get this stuff set up, so that is also pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's way better looking than the uh, websdr.org, which is uh, another access aggregator for uh, SDR boxes. Um, and I think that uses a little HTML5 canvases for a minimal uh, a minimal spectrum window, um, but also gives you access to these uh, online uh, web web SDR systems. So, yeah, the the OpenWebRx software is 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 just beautiful looking. It looks you know just like you're running a you know a fancy SDR rig at your at your desktop. You know. Yeah, I think uh, SDR.hu might use like Node Node.js or something on the back end. It's very Web Web 2.0, um, where WebSDR.org is kind of uh, I don't know, it's kind of old looking, I guess, for for lack of a better way to describe it. It uses uh, Java as its interface. Yeah, um, but they're both functional. But it's functional. It yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. A couple of cool resources if you want to check out if you want to become an SWL in the in the new age of SWL, where you can just use other people's radios instead of your own. Uh, where are we now? Oh, we're at Quisk. I guess we're getting to talk about Quisk. Yeah, yeah let's talk, talk about, about Quisk. Quisk. Yeah, was, uh, we probably mentioned this one before. It's definitely in the uh, stack on the uh, Ham Radio Pure Blend for uh, SDR software. It's a Python and C-based SDR application, and uh, I, I always kind of liked it because it, it, you know, it looks like notebook paper when it comes up. You know, the uh, the UI itself. But I noticed they had a new release out, and uh, they can uh, the new release has the ability to display in two multiple sub receivers. So this is uh, becoming a, quite an advanced piece of software. And it works on uh, a lot of the uh, receivers and transceivers you can get SDR-wise, like the HiQ SDR, the Hermes Lite, SoftRox, SDRIQs, and, and several other platforms. And and it is open source, and it's uh, you know it's mainly written in Python and C, so uh, uh, pretty accessible for most programmers, I think. And uh, check it out; it's 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 pretty slick interface, and definitely an alternative to uh, some of the commercial products like Power SDR and stuff like that. That's yeah, pretty cool. I kind of like how we're sort of on a theme on SDRs, but the the interface is pretty pretty good. I mean, if you're looking at a standard X Windows interface, like if you're looking at FL Digi or QSS TV or some of those other ones that are uh, written for the basic X interface, that looks a lot like that. So uh, it'll seem kind of familiar if if you haven't used one before. It's got got a lot of the same sort of buttons and fields and things. Uh, standard waterfall kind of display and. Um, yeah, it looks pretty good. I see the screenshots that they took are obviously on an Ubuntu system. So, um, you know, your, your Debian machine will look very similar. And I was looking for the license. Where is the license? Oh, I looked that up, too. <laughs> uh, I think it's GPL. But I'll, I'll have to look. Prob- and it installed is. fine on Solus, too. So I had it on Solus, and it runs fine. Oh, well, excellent. Uh, it uses WX Python. It says Windows is also supported. So uh, as long as you uh, probably have to be able to run uh, Python, but uh, yeah, I did notice when I uh, I compiled it on uh, on uh, the Solus box, it I had to use Python two, not Python three. So I'm not sure if it's uh, it's set at uh, Python two compatibility or uh, or if that's in the in the roadmap. I'd have to check that out. But uh, I did notice that that one issue. I, I couldn't uh, couldn't do a Python setup install on uh, on Python three. 
Okay, yeah, the documentation says 2.7 is the platform you need, so... I'm sure uh, I'm sure 3.0 or, or Python 3 support will be coming. It's, you know, people are always slow to adopt that kind of thing when something already works. Plus, you know, people don't have time. I have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so. You just deal with all the deprecation warnings in 2.7, right? <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> you can just turn those off. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you deal with problems. You just turn them off. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that's one of the first things I do when I write PHP scripts is I t- disable E underscore notify just so I don't have to do all like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so out of sight, out of mind. All right, I got to bring up our music since we're done Wait. with like the first half of the show, I guess. So I'm going to fire up Jamendo here, and I've got some music. And this is a track called Agitation by a band called Mr. Goodtime. And as it is with most modern music or with a lot of modern music, I think this band is actually just a guy. Um, There's not a whole lot of information about the track. It comes from an album called The Spectrum of Sound Styles. Uh, This was released actually just like a week ago, August 18th or August 16th, 2016. So real, real new stuff. Uh, track runs around three minutes, 50 seconds there. They or he or whoever is out of Germany. We'll go ahead and spin this one here. I'm not even sure how I would define this track. It's kind of like a dance track, it's like, like house dance, kind of like that. It's, uh, it's all music, uh, instrumental, no vocal. Um, I don't know, but I enjoyed it. So let's listen.
Okay, so I'm not sure how you'd even characterize that, but it's <laughs> agitation by Mr. Goodtime. Sounds like video game music. Yeah, kind of. There was there was a few good tracks on there were a few good tracks on there. All of it that kind of electro power instrumental, whatever you call it. But uh I don't know. I thought it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's enjoyable. All right. Well, enjoyable. I'll take. I'll take enjoyable. <laughs> as opposed to some of the other feedback I've gotten before on music. <laughs> 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 All right. So a listener of ours, I can't remember who, I think it was uh, James Blocker, maybe. Hopefully I'm getting that, that citation correct. But this, this sort of didn't belong in any of the previous segments, but I did think it was kind of interesting. And I'm going to bring it up here since we don't have actually any feedback or announcements for this part of the show because we have been away for a little while. But he posted a link to this article from Ars Technica, and a link to it will be in the show notes. I've condensed it into this little blurb here. Uh, Podcasting patent troll fights the EFF hoping to save itself. Uh, The owner of a patent on podcasting is hoping to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Personal Audio and its owner, Jim Logan, lost their patent last year after lawyers from the Electronic Frontier Foundation showed the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office that various types of Internet broadcast predate the patent, which claims a 1996 priority date. The podcasting patent became famous and received national media attention after it was used to sue several high-profile podcasters, including Adam Carolla, who raised $500,000 and fought back for a time before reaching a settlement in 2014. Personal Audio had also sued several big TV networks. The appeal argues Personal Audio's patent is a significant improvement on two pieces of prior art that EFF successfully used to invalidate it at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. EF lawyer Nick Brown uh, says, What we have here is a pivot. It's an attempt to recast this argument that they lost and to turn it into an argument about a series of episodes. The matter is now in the hands of the panel. If EFF wins, the podcasting patent won't have anywhere else to go. In addition to the podcasting patent, Personal Audio also claims to own other basic audio technology. Personal Audio sued Apple over the iPod's function to create playlists. After a 2011 trial, a jury awarded the patent holding company $8 million. Eesh. Yeah, so <laughs> so the, so the whole concept, you know, what I'm getting from this, of podcasting is being litigated right now. And uh, it's been successfully defeated once, and now they're trying to re-argument, uh, re-argue it using uh, different terminology, I guess. So I'm quite sure the EFF is diligently fighting it again, and uh, hopefully, you know, the art of podcasting will not succumb to the vindictive will of a patent troll. It, it's something that's out there, so, you know, I guess... Since we do a podcast here, it's something we probably need to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, legal stuff sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's another SCO. Yeah, Jeez. basically. Well, just, just when we thought only Oracle could be the next SCO. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, the yeah. in, isn't the O in SCO Oracle? No, I guess not. Yeah, isn't it? I thought, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scum sucking Oracle or something like that. Yeah. That's pretty hard. Well, Oracle <laughs> actually kind of deserves it, but yeah, yeah, they have a great database I, I, product, but you know they've they've kind of gone far afield. Yeah, I ran into a, I, pro- I don't know if I told you this before or not, but I ran into a guy uh, works for Oracle. He's like, you know, 
Fortune five companies. <laughs> he deals with their customers, and so I asked him. I was like, "So, how does it? How, how is it working for the devil?" And uh, yeah, he 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 got a laugh out of it, but you know, <laughs> he's like, "I'm doing very uh, well. Like, it's Thank very you. good. Yeah, it's very good to work for." <laughs> yep, I'm Go sure he is. <laughs> So anyway, so switching over from the devil, we're going to talk about food. We are? Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. It's my turn. It's Yay. your turn. That's right. And it's Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Yay. Yay. Okay. So That's it. You're getting kicked out tonight. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are, what's okay. The, what's tonight, for dinner? tonight we're doing something as an appetizer. Uh, in the United States, football season is knocking on the door. In fact, it's already in the house because it has now started. Um, and lots of people in the United States have football parties, you know, like tailgate parties or everybody comes over to watch the game. And lots of people like appetizers. We're big appetizer people as well. And what I have picked today are Italian meatball buns. And this recipe uses frozen bread dough, uh, meatballs, whether you make your own or you buy them already made. Uh, the more spices in them, the better. Uh, some mozzarella cheese. That is an optional item, but it's always good. Uh, some olive oil, some Parmesan cheese, some basil, and some marinara sauce or pizza sauce or something to dip them in. And what you do is, after your bread dough thaws out, you wrap it around these meatballs you let it rise a little bit uh, for an hour or so. Pop them in the oven, and when they come out, you have you know meatbally, cheesy, if you cheese goodness. You can dip in some tomato sauce stuff and consume you know quite frequently. And Russ is a huge meatball person. I have not done these, but this was a recipe from a friend that I've had sitting back for. Well, so. And I know her husband loved them, and they used to have huge football parties. So I think you need to make some, because, yes, I do like a good meatball. You know I do. Yes, you, you live on meat. I, I could, uh, actually. My mother, do. when I grew up, my mother made the most amazing meatballs, and you wouldn't, and she makes, what this is great about my family is because my mother is Swedish, so she makes great Swedish meatballs, but she also makes great Italian meatballs. So I grew up with a lot of meatballs. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you say that I keep... <laughs> Whatever. Meatballs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and apparently Ikea has crappy meatballs in Russ's opinion. Yeah, they're definitely not oh, up Ikea. to... Yeah. yeah. They're not up hey, to my, my mother's love standards. Those. <laughs> oh, well, they're good, but my the Swedish meatballs in my house, and Weren't again, they, they don't have sauce. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the the ones at, at Ikea were what most people think of as a traditional Swedish meatball, which isn't, um, <laughs> is actually kind of like a Salisbury steak rolled into a ball with sauce. And that is not actually a Swedish meatball. So oh, gravy. What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, there's, there's nothing wrong with it per se. It's just not a Swedish meatball. Oh, so, it's not authentic. Yeah. You know, right. like Ikea is. Come right. On. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> Ikea is actually a Swedish corporation. They do get credit for that. So. Oh, okay. Well. Um, and my mother buys a lot of stuff from there, so it must be okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, I, I took Russ to drop him off at the airport last year 
the closest IKEA we have is 150 miles away. Luckily, the airport he was playing out of was just up the road a bit. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, well, I'm going to be leaving at like, you know, 8 a.m. headed to the airport. And I was like, no, no, I'll take you. Like, Why are you driving 150 miles? I was like, think about it. He's like, uh, I can't. <laughs> I was Lincoln like, yes. Barry. So mm. I went and kicked him out at the airport and went, bye, dear. Have a nice, fun trip and made a beeline for Ikea, which was he flew out of Kansas City and Ikea is over in Kansas. So I yeah. drove the 25-ish miles back over to Ikea, spent four hours there, and his mother called <laughs> me while I was there. And she's like, where are you? I was like, Ikea. She's like, oh, I love Ikea. You should go to blah, blah department and all the way through the store. I talked to her the whole time I was there. And she was oh, like, no, funny. no, go go over, go over and look at those new filing systems. I was like, we don't yeah. need them. She's like, but they're so cool. Go look at them. <laughs> So I was looking at her, she's like, they have one in pink, you need one for your office. I was like, no, because if I drag more stuff home that has to be put together, Russ will shoot me. She's like, why? And I told her, I was like, my cart is full of stuff that needs assembled. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're going to be in trouble when he gets home. <laughs> so... Yeah. Well, uh, my, yeah, we lived in Tampa, the, we had an Ikea there in town, so, I mean... We get bored on the weekend. We just go to Ikea, enjoy the air conditioning, and <laughs> yeah, wander around. Meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> Our, my my podcast here is in Denver, so. My podcasting studio is all Ikea. Ikea, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, Russ is like, I need, like, some bookcases and a table. I'm like, okay, let's go to Kansas City. It's like, why? Yeah. So I, <laughs> like, so Ikea. Got, yeah, Kansas like, City, here we come. Yeah. I've got, like, two Shoistrums and a Lars and a Bjorn, and I had to put them all together. So... <laughs> <laughs> and it has a little pretty stick man on there. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> on the I, directions. I still have the Allen wrenches. Well, yeah, because they're all for you. That's right. <laughs> we'll have to play some more Jonathan Colton on the show here yeah, pretty quick. Should, yeah, you should play. Well, you should play the IKEA song now. Well, I could do that, I suppose. Because <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, so. and since we're on Recipe Corner still, somehow. Yeah. Um, I have my own recipe um, since oh. we're talking about IKEA. One of my favorite things in the world to eat, and this is really simple, but you have to probably go to Ikea or to a local uh, European food store if you have one. I- Ikea is the best place to go. Right. But you have to get Kanukabrod, which, which is, is as close as I can cracker. pronounce it to actually the way it's pronounced, which is, I know I'm not far off, but I'm not doing it quite right. <laughs> but it's basically dried. It's a rye cracker. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's essentially a rye cracker, but it's the size of a pizza. Yeah, it's and um, it. you break it up into pieces. And what I do with it personally is I put just a little bit of butter on it. You just basically scrape or like wave butter over the top of it. And then you lay on a piece of Swiss cheese. And it's amazing. You also put peanut butter. Uh, not on Kaneka Broad. It's, uh, it's, it's usually like a butter. Lots of crackers. Yeah, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, friends so call them... <laughs> Right. Friends call them roofing tiles. And <laughs> roofing tiles, yeah. yeah they, Lots they of kind of, like, 12 inches square. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the Kinnicky Broad does have kind of a roofing tile type taste and texture. Uh, no, it doesn't <laughs> taste like roofing tiles. You got me hooked on it, which is why I came up with two <laughs> wheels of it. We went to Indianapolis two weeks ago. I told Russ, they just finished building an Ikea in St. Louis. I told Russ as we're driving through town, I was like, hey, stop at Ikea. He's like, why? And I was like, I need to go in and grab some stuff. He's like, I am, it's a Saturday. I am not going in that store. I was like, no, no, you can sit in the car. What should have taken me 10 minutes took me about an hour because all of St. Louis was in the building. Yeah. 
I sat, I, you know, I grabbed everything in like 15 minutes and then I sat in line for 45 waiting to pay for it. But he texted me while I was in there. I was like, Hey, grab some pick your butt. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right. So yeah, get home. And the first day we're home, he stores it in the oven. I open up the oven and the package is already open. I was like, really? You've already been in it. And he was like, yeah, but we're out of Swiss cheese. So I had to use American. I was Ooh. like, okay. And he's like, so, oh yeah. Yep. So I, you know, he's like, please go, go get us some cheese. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but he's got, I like it with peanut butter and jelly on it. So well, I'm sure it's good with that way, but sorry, butter and Swiss cheese is just, it's to die for. <laughs> whatever. Anyway, here's Jonathan Colton's Ikea. Long ago in days of yore. It all began with a god named Thor There were bikes and boats and some plans for a furniture store Not a bodega, it's not a mall This he'll think for apartments smaller than mine As if there were apartments smaller than mine Ikea, Ikea. Just a moke and some pine and a handful of Norsemen Jonathan Colton. That's a great story. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> he tells a great story about IKEA when when he does his uh, and, and his shows, shows uh, which I don't want to give away. But uh, it's 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 a hilarious. fantastic story yeah. about IKEA. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah. So if you haven't seen Jonathan Colton, <laughs> go see him. He's he's fantastic. Yeah, he's fantastic. He doesn't do a lot of touring anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Well, once his new album comes out, he probably will. Probably will, right. They don't typically go to, like, you know, anywhere up. In- yeah, they won't be in Billings anytime soon. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> <But> <laughs> they yeah, might, might go to Denver. For most bands. Yeah. They, they do go to Denver, though. Yeah. Oh. So We saw him at Gen Con in Indianapolis two weeks ago, So which is put on by the Cards Against Humanity folks. Or Gen Con's not, but they did a concert afterwards called Concert Against Humanity. So, And yeah. we had an absolute blast at that. Yeah, so. it, was, it was great. All right, well, we probably need to move on. So it's time for the social media roundup. Woo-hoo! All right. I won't do the hallelujah thing again. Thank so. you. All Thank right. You. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so this time for our donations and subscriptions, we have Jonas Rulo, Jeremy Hall, Michael Connolly, Scott Pettigrew, Bob Yerke, Paul Griffith, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Ben Schram, Michael Aiello, John Clark, Rob Branch Dash, Edward Donnelly, Donald Gever, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Engel, Jason Marinero, James Blocker, Doug Redder, Mike Lasky, Darren King, Petra Krasakis, Donna Farron, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Robert Pitts, and Jeff Cannell. For Facebook, we have Sean Corcoran. I'm hoping that's right. Paul, help me with that. Uh, APG. APGA? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Scott Juner and Steve Brownlee. For Google+, Plus, we have Dan Selling, Scott Juner, Sergio Sanchez, Marcos Oliveira. No, excuse me. Oliveira. No, no. Oliveira. Oliveira. Okay, sorry. And Don Rhodes. I'm from Missouri. (laughs) We don't have names like that here. (laughs) We don't need no stinking badges. Yeah. (laughs) For Twitter, we have at H-U-E-L-B-E, at D-K-3-C-W, at Hamsphere, at K-K-6-N-L-W, at R-U-C-K-I-N-T-X, at A-B-R-A-U-D, at Micronauta, at 100 Watts in a Wire, at KG5CLP, at Murray Newlands, and at W-O-U-X-U-N-R-A-D-I-O-C-N. Yeah, that's that's Wusen Radio China. Okay, gotcha. Wow, they yeah. like us. Well, they probably Maybe. follow everybody who indicates any in, kind of proclivity for him. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On uh, YouTube, we have uh, Crash, uh, Richard Warner, and Chip DeVogue mailing list yay. yay lyle siegel and wait let me do it <laughs> didn't play with that lizard you're gonna go blind there you go <laughs> i'm gonna take the hallelujah button away from you <laughs> merchandise sells we have lars neff and rick stoner yeah all right <laughs> hey yep people actually bought some stuff and I will say about the merchandise, I have put a few more items up on Cafe Press. I have tried to reduce the cost of some of those items up there. I've put up, like, new drinkware, new shirts, and I'm putting out a few new designs on Cafe Press. We did talk about doing a spread shirt, but spread shirt is actually more expensive wow. than Cafe Press. So but we're going to stick with... shirt have bigger sizes? They do have bigger sizes. That's the only unfortunate thing, but... Okay, well, we still need to do Spreadshirt for right. larger sizes. I'll set up a Spreadshirt uh, shop just for the bigger sizes, but generally speaking, the prices are a little cheaper over at Cafe Press. So 
and I do have an order pending for all of the uh, promo items from the generosity campaign. So those will all be going out shortly. Yay! So uh, you'll Yay. be getting those uh, if you ordered something or if you donated to the campaign. Campaign, so, right? So anyway, uh, check out the new stuff over at over at Cafe Press, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm putting new stuff up there as I get around to. And like I said, bigger sizes will be over at Spreadshirt. Yeah, but, because but, you know some of us are fat. Yes, yes, like some, me. some of us are. <laughs> so. I'm very fat. It's okay. All right. So anyway, I guess that's about it. Let me just check the chat room real quick. Uh, Cleewick says his daughter introduced him to Joko's music. That's Yay. very cool. Yep. Yes. Excellent. All right. So seeing nothing else, I guess we're about done for this week, which means I can push the outro button and there's some music and I can read some stuff. You can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby LinuxCon or HamFest. We love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter, or leave a voicemail at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. You can visit our IRC channel any time of day or night at Octothorpe LHS Podcast on the Freenode Network. You can also subscribe to our mailing list. Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts can be purchased at www.cafepress.com stroke LHS podcast. And we will have a short, uh, a, a place for shirts of larger sizes up at Sprite Shirt at some point. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. Listen, every, listen live every other Monday at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu. In the summertime, 0200 Zulu in the wintertime. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. Check out that website at lhspodcast.info for everything you ever wanted to know about the show. Thank you to all of our listeners, live and quasi-live, past, present, and future. We appreciate each and every one of you. So for me, Russ, K5TUX from Studio 3D in Southwest Missouri, and for Cheryl, who sits across from me. Do I? Yes, you do. Oh, okay. Just checking. And for Bill in the big, wow, there are cities in Montana country out in Montana. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you in a couple of uh, weeks. Bye for now. Bye.